I'm Kelly. And welcome to the Millennial Minimalist. Hi, everyone. Today is all about how to become a minimalist with a family. And to join me in this discussion is the amazing Diane Bowden, the host of the Minimalist Moms podcast and wife and mother to three. One of the biggest misconceptions around this lifestyle is that it is for single people or those living alone. Though in fact, as we have mentioned before, minimalism is for everyone. Whether you are single, in a relationship, or you have children, you can practice minimalist lifestyle strategies. Famed minimalist blogger and best-selling author Joshua Becker is married with two young children. And Leo Babauta, the blogger behind the simple living blog zenhabits.com, is married with six children. Together with Diane, there are families around the world showing how the principles of minimalism are completely possible with a significant other and children. And in our discussion, Diane shares her minimalist journey and her practical strategies to help you simplify your family life and home. Be inspired to understand minimalism as a lifestyle that is achievable and beneficial for everyone. Hi, Diane. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. So I've really been looking forward to speaking with you. Our listeners have been asking us about how to adopt this lifestyle with children. And so I'm excited to share your lessons today. And while I personally do not have children yet, I do want to be a mom one day. And so I'm also curious to learn how to build simple living habits with a family. So to start our discussion off, I'm hoping you can share your background and what inspired you to begin practicing a minimalist lifestyle. Yeah, so I would say that I've been practicing a minimalist lifestyle for about almost 10 years now, and I actually had my light bulb or aha moment, however you'd want to describe it, when I was, let's see here, I think we were 22 years old and we were in my parents' basement, and my husband said something to me along the lines of, look at these things that are now in boxes that were once your dad's hard-earned work hours, and so that was somewhat of a pivotal pivotal moment for me in that I really wanted to redirect how I guess I was spending my money and my time. I felt like at that time in my life, I was very much into purchasing just the newest, shiniest thing that was on the market. And I really didn't think twice about how much money I was spending, I guess. And so when my husband said that to me, I just started to reevaluate. I tried to stay out of stores. I started to seek out more minimalist resources, I guess, at that point in time. So I would say that this has been like the foundation of our entire relationship, which I know is not necessarily the norm for everyone. I know that some people are implementing this now after being married for 10 years or having children that are a little bit older, but I do think that I have some wisdom to share in regards to how to kind of recreate your foundation that you've had, but we'll get, I guess we'll get to that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I find it really interesting that you adopted this lifestyle before becoming a mom. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's really great uh, because you're able to kind of focus on what you need to do first. I don't know if it would be easier to do it before or after. I think that there are obviously challenges both ways. But um, when you became a mom, uh, what simple living strategies did you first adopt to stay on top of all the clutter that comes with being a parent? Yeah, so I will say that it's not necessarily a simple way to stay on top of clutter. There isn't a simple way to stay on top of clutter. However, I I do think it's about just staying consistent with the priorities and habits that are important to you. So like you said, it may have been easier for me because I entered motherhood with this minimalist perspective mindset. But I think that no matter when you're starting to implement the minimalist lifestyle, 
um, or a minimalist lifestyle, I would just suggest that you begin it as soon as you can. So I think that children are much more adaptable than we give them credit for, and they might complain um, or whine for a couple of weeks, but I think that if you're really leading by example, that they will jump on board. So all that to say, I do think that as you begin to just pursue that intentional lifestyle, you just have to really be direct and honest with your goals to those around you. And I'd say for us, getting our other family members on board, it has really taken a probably about five or six years just so that they understand how serious we are about living with fewer possessions. But I feel like they're starting to get there. So um, I think that part of adopting that habit of staying on top of the clutter is from keeping it from coming in. So again, like communicating it with the people around you. And then in regards to children. So my kids are five, two and a half and seven months old. So, wow. so I don't have older kids yet that are bringing a ton of things in, but I will say my five-year-old, she will be six in November, but she has definitely started to have, she wants her independence and then wants to have a say in what she brings into our home. So I limit it to just typically a box of things in her room that are just all hers. She can have whatever she'd like. I know that my aunts took her out for her birthday and they let her pick out some things from that target dollar section. And, um, that wouldn't necessarily be the first place that I would shop, but I'm happy to allow her that, I guess the word, I think the word's autonomy just over her, her, her own possessions, but without cluttering everything. And also I think that if you can keep on top of it by just allowing a special segment of your home, um, whether it's their rooms or you have a playroom designated for toys, it kind of keeps the clutter in that way. And then just to stay on top of it, I love the idea of, I think Gretchen Rubin has said it, to stay on top of the one minute rule. So anything that you can get done within a minute. So if I'm cluttering papers that my kids have brought home or just kind of like cleaning up anything that I can get done in like a minute or so, I just try and do it right then and there as opposed to allowing those minutes to build at the end of the day. Does that make sense? I'm not sure if you've heard that. I'm sure you probably have. Absolutely. And in those moments, do you invite your kids to join you to declutter? So at this point, no, I might have Charlotte help me um, just because she's older, but obviously with the the baby, no. And then Martin, he's just a little bit more of a hurricane right now than a help. So <laughs> um, that's where I, I think that you definitely can. And I think that it is important to give tasks to kids that are older and, um, I think probably when Martin turns three, we'll start allowing him to help out a little bit more and take that initiative. But for right now, it's more so with the older kids. I love that you mentioned lead by example, because that is something that Lauren and I consistently stress in our podcast, Mm -hmm. that that is the best way to influence your family and friends. And so I wanted to mention that I recently read the book Minimalism for Families by Zoe Uh Kim. Have you read that? I have not, but I'm familiar with it. And she suggests a few steps. She suggests carving out time daily or weekly to declutter and setting boundaries for clutter, as you mentioned. She said, have a dedicated playroom where you keep your toys. You contain chaos in one area. Um, Use bins to store toys. I know that's something growing up my mom always did. She had certain bins. So I learned as a child, like, hey, once I play with this toy, this toy goes back in that bin. And Mm -hmm. I put that away before I go on to the next thing. So Mm -hmm. I think just seeing her do that really helped me kind of follow suit. 
And then something else that she mentioned was own fewer clothes to save you time and energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was curious if you have for yourself uh, curated kind of a capsule wardrobe. So I haven't condensed to an actual capsule wardrobe, but I have definitely condensed to a point that I'm comfortable with right now. I think long-term, I'd like to kind of get it a little bit smaller, but you're right. Decision fatigue with everything, like I said, that we have on our plates, it's just, we don't need to have so many decisions, especially when it comes to our wardrobe. So I have just my handful of outfits that I just kind of rotate. And then I do have, like I said, I haven't completely pared down, but I have the outfits that if I were to go on date night or something that I still own. But right now I pretty much have my mom uniform that I wear. Um, whether that's just like some joggers and a t-shirt or a long sleeve shirt or hoodie, depending on what the temperature is like. But yeah, I think that if we can just streamline any decision-making that is going to make for such, that is going to make for such an easier, a day overall, just because we are limiting the decisions that we have to make when they've already been made for us. Yeah. And it really starts with the parents, right? So I know that you started adopting this lifestyle before having kids, but those who are starting to adopt it while having a family already, I think maybe it may be wise for the mom or dad to focus on themselves and how they can kind of uh, simplify their lives to help them adopt this lifestyle and and maintain a clean home and maintain a clean wardrobe and an organized space so that when it comes to leading by example and integrating into the family, um, they've, they've kind of carved out that time to be intentional. And so they can then go from there. That being said, I know it might be very challenging um, finding white space in your schedule, uh, downtime to rest. And I was curious uh, how you made that time for yourself, especially during these times. Yeah, absolutely. So I try to, no matter what, get outside every day. I was talking to you before we started the interview, just that it was very rainy here the last several days. And I still made sure to get out and go on my run yesterday, just because that time is a time for just me. And I just... I feel like I reset my mind. And if I'm feeling stressed out, not only does it, is exercise good, even if you're not running, just walking, just good for those endorphins. It just really does help kind of reset my day. And so I think there's the, the idea of there's no such thing as bad weather. And I think if we can really go into our days thinking that it's much easier to get outside, but yeah, I would say that the getting outside or just allowing my husband and I to work as a team and give each other that time and space has been so helpful. And I think that, um, I know not everyone has a significant, significant other, but even if you utilize a friend and maybe you trade kids for the day, um, not trade, but you know, um, babysit for one another for a couple of hours here and there. Um, I think that that's really helpful. Or if you have a family member that can help you out in that way, I just think that it is so critical in getting time to yourself because (laughs) stress is obviously horrible for you. And I think that when we allow ourselves to, um, I don't know, I just, I, I don't know how to go down this path without opening up a can of worms, but I am so much more than just a mother. Like I'm so much more than just a wife. I'm so much more than just a sister, a daughter. And I think that like, I really do need to get that time to myself to be, I guess the best me for my children. And I know that sounds so cliche, but it is so true. And I think that allow, like having my third child, especially has made me see how valuable that time to myself has been. And then you can be more present when you're with your children, right? Because you've had that downtime. 
Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, I, I love the fact that you said there's no bad weather when it comes to running outside. Because uh, <laughs> the other day it was it was pouring here, and I said, nope, no matter what, I'm going for a run. And that was one of the most enjoyable runs I'd ever had in the mm-hmm. rain, mm-hmm. soaking wet. But I didn't care. Like I just, I mean, especially during these challenging times, um, <laughs> you just got to get exercise. So. Absolutely. Um, but no, that goes back to mental minimalism, the importance of removing mental clutter so that you can relax your mind and focus on what matters most, which mm-hmm. is your family. So so moving on, um, at Millennium Linus, we continually emphasize that this lifestyle requires maintenance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is imperfect. And Zoe Kim also mentions in her book that it's tough at times to keep a clean home with children. Mm-hmm. So as a solution, she schedules a 30-minute cleanup every Saturday with her four kids. Mm-hmm. How have you incorporated something similar into your home? And if so, how have you been able to keep consistent? So like I said, I do practice the one minute rule or anything that I can just get done really quickly. I just do. And then as we've kind of already talked about, I think allowing or making sure that we don't have so many toys or so many possessions in our home. If we really done that initial hair down, I think it makes it so much easier because I don't want to spend, we obviously have to clean. We have to keep our houses well cared for, but I think that my time spent cleaning is so much less because I don't have so many things that I need to clean. Like I don't have to move around. So for example, if I have a shelf covered in knickknacks, I'm going to have to sit there and remove each one to dust. And that just takes up precious time. So I think if we can really like whittle down that, that makes it so much easier. And I have time to spend on the things that are important, but I try to use, so with my kids, if they are eating lunch or dinner, um, not really dinner, cause I'm there with them, but if they're eating breakfast or lunch, I try to use that time to get dishes done real quick, or I'll sweep up really fast. It's just little moments like that to where they're occupied that I continue to keep the house tidy. I wouldn't say that I have at this point in time, like the Zoe Kim says that she does it on Saturdays. I don't have anything like that because I'm kind of just tidying throughout my day. And I know when quiet time happens for my kids, my son naps, my daughter just takes a quiet time, but I just use that time real quick. I do a quick reset of my space. And then I, again, I use that time to kind of just reset myself in whatever way that I feel like I want to that day. That's great. You really are leading by example. And I, I, I'm thinking into the future, like imagine your kids coming up to you and saying like, Hey, like mom, when I was young, like I always saw you clean up after yourself. And so I just naturally did that. Mm -hmm. Like you're hopeful that that's what they, they take away. Right. So that um, or backfire horribly. (laughs) Yeah. That or that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what are, are there any uh, simple living habits that you see your children practicing day to day? just even the small little wins. And, and if so, how did you get them there? I'd say that's a little bit trickier. Like I said, with my kids' ages right now, but I would just say, I guess when I've asked Charlotte, so I did this, I think it was on Christmas Eve morning. I gave her a box and I said, Hey, I know that you're going to be getting some toys tonight at our pre-Christmas celebration with my husband's family. And I said, why don't you go through your room and figure out some toys that you don't play with anymore that we can donate to kids that don't have any toys or just get, get rid of. And I could not believe it that she actually filled up the box. Um, I really hadn't expected that. So again, I think that kids will surprise you. And again, they might wine if they're a little bit older um they might and they're not used to that kind of lifestyle they might like complain it in the beginning but 
I, again, if you're leading by example and just kind of setting up the, like I said, the kids that don't have toys, if you can try to have them empathize with what others people are experiencing, I feel like that might be a little bit helpful. But again, I would say with their ages, it's hard to see how it's affected them at this point in time. Right. But I did think that that was a win that day. So I have some rapid fire questions from our listeners. And the first question has something to do with what you just mentioned. Uh, The question is, if your kids have too many toys or clothes, how Mm. do you declutter these items without throwing something away that they use or they love? Yeah. So I would give them the ability to, like I said, have some say. And then also I heard this great tip from someone I had interviewed on my podcast. She said that look and see what it is that they're playing with for like two or three weeks. And then that's when you can kind of gauge like, what should I remove from the space? So I would say with little kids, it might be, I don't know. It's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. They forget. They don't really remember. I think with Charlotte, that might be harder because she is aware of what she has in her room. And so if that two or three weeks passes and you say like, Hey, you don't really play with that dollhouse anymore. Is that something that you would think about donating to someone that might want a dollhouse or just like get their feedback. And if she has, if she's opposed to that, I would say maybe give it another week or so and then reevaluate then. So again, I want to give them the ability to have some say and because it, we're all obviously as moms, like we are raising them into like adults to make these decisions for themselves. So I don't want to completely like blindside them by taking all the toys away, but I do think that's a good place to start is just seeing what it is that they play with. And then maybe even if, if at that point they're still kind of finicky, take it away for a week and put it in the basement in a box. And then if they don't mention it, maybe you can toss it at that point or recycle it or donate it, whatever it is that you choose. Great advice. Uh, I spoke with my mom, mom about this and she's a daycare worker and she says that that's something that she did with us when we were young. She would, she would put away our toys in a box for a month and then bring it back out and see if we played with it. <laughs> and then if we didn't, she would start uh, donating. She's a, she, she, she heavily donates items to other neighbors and um, those in need. So, yeah. And then, so the second question is when it comes to receiving gifts for your children, how do you manage new things coming in? So kind of like I said, on Christmas Eve, we knew that we would be getting some toys. So we asked her if she would be comfortable donating because we had some new toys coming in. But I would say even like for myself, if I'm getting something new, I have one thing go out. So one thing in, one thing out. And it's just kind of, it sounds so rigid when you say it that way, but it's just kind of my habit at this point. Cause like I said, I've been practicing minimalism or just living this way for 10 years. So I would just say that's when things start to become cluttered again. So I would just try to have that one in one out rule. But also, you're going to constantly be paring down anyways. And I wouldn't say that as minimalist, you probably believe this too. There's never like some, I wouldn't define it by numbers. It's not like we're trying to whittle all of our items down to like 30 items in our home. I think that if you're focusing on numbers, you kind of miss the point of using minimalism as a tool to craft your life. I think that we are constantly paring down and we're constantly having to like reevaluate, okay, is, is this still something that I I hate to use the Marie Kondo term of spark joy because I don't think that that's necessarily like I think that your your feelings are fickle 
And so I think that sometimes they can't be trusted. But I do think you kind of have to take inventory of what it is that you're keeping and why, and you regularly are going to have to be doing that. Have you ever communicated to a family member or friend, hey, you know, uh, if you're going to give a gift, maybe give something like a gift card or something like that? Um, Have you ever kind of pushed them away from receiving more toys or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say um, we have Amazon wish lists. So there are things that I just put on there. And if people ask like, hey, I'm looking to get your child a gift, I'm like, yeah, check out the Amazon wish list. But also, I think, like I said, at this point, people are aware that we're a little bit more intentional about what we want to bring into our home. So they, they do ask a lot more than they used to. I think when you're first starting out, you might have to be a little bit more like upfront about it. And again, you're, you need to obviously be kind like in your delivery, but I would just say consistency and allowing them to see that that's how you're living is very huge in the way that they're going to be gift giving. And also we ask for uh, gifts to like experience gifts. So if we can have some memberships renewed or memberships to the art museum or the science museum or the zoo, or, Hey mom, you want to get my child a gift for their birthday. Why don't you just take them to dinner and a movie instead? Like allow them that time with you. And again, that might be somewhat of a learning curve for the kids' grandparents. But I, I think that as they see that that's important to you, they'll enjoy it too. Cause they're getting to go and spend time with their grandchildren or their niece or nephew, what have you. So, yeah, no, that's a great idea. So the third of the four questions, uh, how do you manage your children's ongoing creative projects, like their drawings and paintings and all the school projects that they bring home? So for us, we, I do a Shutterfly scrapbook for my family every year. And within that Shutterfly scrapbook, I have a section called Charlotte the Artist. I will have to make one for Martin now that he's starting to do more crafts. But I will allow, if it's like a craft, I'll probably keep it for a little bit longer displayed but then when we're ready to toss it we just take a picture of it and then it goes into the scrapbook so that we can always like look back through our scrapbook and see that those pictures or the crafts we can we can see them but we don't have to have the tangible item taking up space in the home that said I think that if you are going to keep your children's artwork you limit it to one box per kid and then again go back and reassess like what are we keeping in here every so often That's great. And how do you manage or restrict collectible items? So again, that's something that I'm not to the point of yet, but I would go back to that one box. Um, Like I said, Charlotte was, she went to the Target dollar bin. And I, I do think that she has like, I want her to have these fun, really vibrant toys that I don't necessarily want in my home. I think that if we're limiting it to a box or like, you're probably visualizing like a like some silly box, but if you get crafty with it and have like a nice bin in her room where she can keep their toys, her toys, I think that that is important. I I don't want to say no completely because again, I think that can backfire and then I'm going to create someone that just wants to hoard all the things. Yeah. We're giving them the choice and just limiting it and putting boundaries on it. That's what we do. Uh, so that's that's great. When when I was a kid, my mom loved collectible items. <laughs> so it was funny because it was kind of a learned behavior. Uh, and still today, she loves that stuff. I mean, all the Beanie Babies, she would buy every single Beanie Baby out there. Uh, yeah. so it was really funny. So it was kind of something that I learned. I kind of, as a child, I learned that uh, more was better. But obviously, I've kind of unlearned that over time. But there was a lot of beauty in that as well the shared excitement that we had for that. 
though. Um, moving on to mental minimalism. We talked about this earlier. Um, you go for your runs. It's a really a great way to declutter your mind, uh, mm. remove your excess uh, mental clutter, uh, and focus on what matters. And so on that note, what mindfulness exercises do you incorporate into your everyday? And have you started to do these with your kids? Yeah. So I would say in regards to mindfulness, I was talking to my husband about this and I was just trying to think of how I'm mindful throughout my day. So I would say, yes, I do that with getting into nature every day. And I try to, for part of the time, just quiet my thoughts and not listen to a podcast, not listen to music, not listen to anything and just walk. And actually, I, I definitely recommend walking in the rain. If you've never tried that, it is just so beautiful. Like, I don't know. It's one of my favorite things to do is go for a walk in the rain without anything distracting me. But if you're talking about like mindfulness when it comes to like eating or doing meditation, I wouldn't say that I have any kind of practice like that. I try to be very mindful about my words that I'm speaking to my kids and I don't always get it right. But I think just even being aware of the things that we're speaking I think it starts with the awareness and then that's how you can change your behavior. But I wouldn't say that I have like any mindful, like intentional mindful practices with the exception of my, my workouts and just getting outside every day. Yeah. And I, I, I'm an avid listener of your podcast and I know that you recently interviewed, I believe it was a lawyer who turned meditation teacher Yeah, meditations for children. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. She, um, her name was Tejal Patel and she has a book called Mind minutes for kids, I think. Um, don't quote me on that. But yeah, she did talk about the importance of just having those quiet moments for your kids and throughout the day. So again, I'd say that this is probably an area that I would struggle in when it comes to minimalism. I think that I'm really good about like paring down the house, paring down my schedule. But when it comes to maybe the mental side, that's what I'm really trying to work on now, especially as my kids are getting older. So I feel like I have taken in a ton of information, but it's just about the implementation. And I, again, I don't want to act as though I'm a perfect quote unquote minimalist. And I, I want people to understand that this is just how I try to live my lifestyle and I'm, I still struggle. So, yeah. And it, it's also about establishing boundaries as well. Yeah. Uh, do you find that you establish boundaries with screen time and, and your digital devices? Um, absolutely with the exception of lockdown. So in the normal setting, I absolutely have more boundaries on screen time. We try to limit those to probably no more than an hour a day, which is a lot for, I know some people, some people only give their kids one show, but yes, I think that boundaries are super important for that. And it allows for creativity, creativity in other ways. So if you are stocking up, I think on toys that are somewhat limitless and they're ability to be played with. So like blocks or cars, um, or I'm just like different craft materials. I think that's really helpful. So I think, yeah, boundaries around screens is, is pretty important though. Like I said, in lockdown right now, we've definitely been giving a little bit more, especially on these rainy, rainy days. But I also would say that <laughs> you know, your children best. And I would say that while we can always strive for better, like don't feel guilty if you're giving your kids more screen time. Um, I think that we can just be so hard on ourselves and that's just not going to benefit your family overall. If you're constantly feeling guilty for the kind of parent that you are, I think it's important to not be, to always want to strive for better as parents. Like, I think it's important to, 
um, just see the areas that we can have, we should experience growth, but to just not get down on ourselves. Because I think, and I've said this before, just listening to podcasts that are parenting podcasts or seeking out information that is beneficial to your parenting. Like you're a good parent if you're doing those things. Like, so don't doubt how good of a job that you're doing or the limits that you're placing on screens, or if they're eating too much junk food, strive for better, but don't get so down on yourself. Yeah. Just like focus on the small wins, mm-hmm. even for yourself. Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it is hard to keep up with clutter and organization. And sometimes like when you, you know, check off just a even one thing on your to-do list for a day, you should be happy with yourself, especially during these crazy times. So, yeah. And when it comes to your to-do list, um, I think you mentioned, do I have boundaries around my phone? I do. And I try to not really allow myself a ton of time on my phone until I kind of get to that checklist. But just, this is like a kind of a side tangent with the checklist. I always try to do things that are very specific. So it's not necessarily like a smart goal. I'm sure people have heard of smart goals, but I just, if I'm going to write, I don't just write, write, I write, write 500 words. So that way I know that I've checked it off and I feel good about that little small win and it builds momentum. And then I allow myself more time on my screen as I get things checked off my list. Oh, that's such a great idea. Thank you. That's actually really helpful for me too. (laughs) I appreciate that. I was just finding myself at the end of the day and I was like, I had so many things to get done and I feel like I didn't do as much. But when I really started defining what it was that I wanted to accomplish, Mm -hmm. that's when I was like, oh, wow, like I did write 500 words. Oh, wow. I did run one mile. Oh, wow. Wow. I did do Charlotte's reading lesson number 35. Like, I, I think that that helped me to see that I was getting these wins as opposed to okay, teach Charlotte. Well, what does that mean? I don't, I don't know what that means. So yeah. yeah you were more detailed, which I appreciate. Yeah. I mean, I, I use a bullet journal. I'm sure you've heard of the bullet journal method yeah. and I, I love it. I live by it, but I'm not very detailed with it. And I love the idea of, Hey, like I've written 500 words and that way I'll be satisfied with my accomplishment that day. Right. Yeah. So the game changer for me to start really defining what my goals were for the day for sure. So your mantra in your podcast is to inspire others to think more and do with less. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping you can detail the meaning around the statement and how you came up with it. Yeah, really. I just wanted listeners to be more thoughtful when it came to their possessions and their schedules. And I think if we are implementing the idea of thinking more, that we'll see that we require less of ourselves and others and uh, materials. And so we're just more mindful of what's essential and therefore we can live with less. So I think that when you are, even if you're doing more thinking on the front end, um, you can see how you can do so much more in living with less. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I love it. Did anybody inspire you to think this way or? So I, I probably don't have time to go into the whole entire background of the podcast, but I actually started it with a friend from church and we were just both realizing that we both loved minimalism and we both tried to aspire to live as minimalist. And at the time I was living in a 900 square foot, like side of a duplex. And she was living in a like 3,500 square foot home. And so it was funny that we were both pursuing minimalism and pursuing the idea of living with less despite how that might have looked differently in both of our homes. Right. Yeah. Even though your homes were completely different sizes. Yeah. But we were still pursuing this minimalist living with less mindset and just 
thinking more about how do we pursue living with less so and living with what's essential so I just I thought that that was such a great concept I guess just because there are so many different women that like listen to my podcast and listen to podcasts that are trying to live as minimalist, but they're like, Oh, this doesn't apply to me. Cause I'm never going to be able to paint all my walls white and pare, pare down all my clothing to like 30 items or to have only like a couple of kitchen appliances. So I, I yeah, I think that it's, you're thinking more and doing with less for your lifestyle. And it's your aim is to get rid of what's excessive and what's superfluous and just to really hone in on that. It, in which in what you have deemed essential. Exactly. Like this lifestyle is just a set of tools that help guide you to clear the excess so that you can design your ideal lifestyle. And by saying think more, I really see value in that because I think you're really saying is, hey, take a second to challenge yourself to think about what you own and be intentional moving forward. Yeah. Uh, and by being more intentional, you can live with less because Everything you have now may not be intentional. You have to start somewhere, go through the items, see if you love or you use it, and then go on to the next thing. Again, the small wins. So uh, it's not going to happen overnight. It's an imperfect lifestyle. It requires constant maintenance, but you get time, energy, and attention back that is just invaluable. Yes, definitely. So to motivate our listeners as a minimalism-loving mom, what would you say are the top three benefits that you and your family have gained from living a minimalist lifestyle? Yeah, so I would say that obviously I mentioned less clutter has just been huge because I can spend more time with them or just focusing on the the fun experiences that we can have as opposed to constantly just having to clean up all the stuff. So I'm just not overwhelmed by the toys and it's just a quick reset for us. And then also I would say just my stress levels have decreased because I am not necessarily overwhelming our schedule. I've allowed myself to take more of a minimalist perspective to the things that we're doing. And then I would just say financially, it has been so beneficial for us because we're not uh, spending tons of money on clothes. I know for my son, uh, both, both my sons, we have used hand-me-down clothing from friends and I have spent very, very little on their clothing throughout their lives so far. So I think that like when you're taking this concept and just kind of really extending it outside of just paring down your possessions and applying it everywhere, you can see how financially beneficial it can be. Yeah. It seems like you have really adopted a more sustainable lifestyle as well. I mean, it goes hand in hand with this lifestyle. I think it's by, you know, taking those clothes and making them more of a hand-me-down and rather than buying new clothes, like it's especially helpful for you guys saving money, but also you're helping the planet. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I didn't intend for that when we first started out. And that was another facet of the minimalist pursuit that I started to learn about a couple of years ago, just sustainability. And again, if even with like a, getting yourself a water bottle, as opposed to buying water bottles at Costco in bulk, like that is going to not only benefit the planet, but that saves you money. So it's just little things like that, that I do think I guess it's frugality, sustainability, and minimalism. They all kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. And also buying better and buying cleaner products. Is that something that you've come across? Um, definitely. I haven't completely gone and overhauled all of our products that we have, but I try to buy kind of like middle of the way. So it's not the the worst that you can buy, but it's not like the crazy expensive, like completely organic products that you 
um, buy for your face or your skin or just your household cleaners. That's just, I, that's another area that I feel like I'm slowly getting better at. Yeah. And no, and, and, and another item is, is cooking, right? So for, as a mom, do you, do you tend to cook in bulk so that you have more leftovers? Like how do you manage the food in your home? Yeah, I definitely, I would say that I do that as for leftovers for lunch the next day, but also I've just kind of streamlined decision-making when it comes to what we're cooking for dinner. So for example, like Monday, spaghetti, Monday, Tuesday's taco, Tuesday, Wednesday, we usually have a a protein of some sort with a starch and a veggie Thursday. We have dinner with family. And then Friday, we usually have like either breakfast for dinner, um, or we eat unhealthy that night. That's like our unhealthy quote unquote. Yeah. Just like streamlining those decisions. So it's like, I don't have to think about this at the end of the day. Like I already know, I know what to buy because I have already made these choices. And again, the same kind of goes for lunch. It's like, you can have one of three things because typically lunchtime is like right after preschool pickup there. My son is tired, ready for his nap. And it's like, I don't want to have to think about what I need to prepare you. So you can get like one of these three things that I know that you'll eat. And that's just going to cut down on stress. And, um, again, like I can kind of know what my food budget is because I know what we're spending. So that's been really helpful. That's great. I mean, I I have a friend, um, she is a mom to two and she loves following the minimalist baker. Have you heard of this? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's wonderful. So she offers recipes with 10 ingredients or less using one bowl, one pot, and uh, it takes 30 minutes or less. And it's been really helpful for her. She's like, I've just minimized all my recipes. I was like, oh, that's so great. (laughs) Absolutely. I think that that is just so much easier for me to cook. And it personally, like, I don't, I just don't want to have to go buy like all these random ingredients that I'm going to use once. And then they're going to take up space in my cabinet because I don't know what to use them for. So it is like pretty straightforward and simplistic. And that said, that said, I think that if cooking is something that you love and you enjoy, and you don't want to give up that time, maybe you make cooking the time of day when your husband watches the kids and you either pour yourself a glass of wine or get a LaCroix or something. And it'll really allow that to be your time to reset as you cook and use those ingredients you like. And again, that's why I think that we can all pursue minimalism in different ways. And so cooking is definitely just not my thing. And I don't think it, I I don't think it has to be that way for everyone. I completely agree. I mean, you can have more spices and more of more of the things that you love because you use them and that's something that you enjoy doing and that's fine. And again, this lifestyle is not about um, deprivation. It's, it's about um, owning the things you use and you love. So, uh, so that makes sense. And that's good that you're, you're intentional with that area. You realize like, Hey, I don't want to spend a lot of time here. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to plan it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to plan these days in advance. I thought that was really smart. Yeah. And just kind of, again, a, a little bit of a side tangent real quick is just that with that, with cooking being something that someone else might really like that I don't really care for, there also might be areas in your life that maybe you're really into shoes and you want to have more than a few pairs of shoes. And that's your, uh, I call it a minimalist confession. Like what areas are you struggling to, to minimize? And I don't know. I just think that when we are so rigid, we are just putting pressure on ourselves. And I think that that makes minimalism so much harder to really get on board with. And so again, I don't think it's like every completely, 
completely every area in your life that has to be minimized. I think that when we just slowly focus on the areas that need to be and would make our lives easier, that that's where we start to thrive and build the momentum to like really put it into various areas in our lives. And maybe if you're writing, I, I think I mentioned this before, just to write a list of what is important versus what you're prioritizing and then see what, how it lines up because so often what we're prioritizing isn't what's important to us. And so I think that can really help define what minimalism looks like for the individual or the family. Ooh, that's a great way for someone to start. Just yeah, a piece of paper, make two columns and write that list. Yes, I would definitely recommend that. That's really, really helpful. Well, thank you so much, Diane. Uh, so to begin closing our discussion, for parents out there, what is one simple living practice that they can begin implementing with their children today to design a simpler and more intentional home and family life? I would say that just experimentation will really help them in the decluttering process. And like I said, experiment with taking things away for a a week or a month. And I think that if you're explaining that to your children and really kind of walking them through like being empathetic or just having that understanding, I think that that would be really beneficial. And again, leading by example, of course. Yes, absolutely. That's, that is really huge. I think that when we just think about when someone tries to force you into something, usually, at least in my personality, I want to hold on so much tighter to whatever the thing is that I'm not supposed to be doing. So I think if we try and force our kids, get rid of all your toys, or like, you can only have five toys. It it just, that's going to make me want to hold on because it's like, wait, why are you telling me I can't have this? Like, I really want to keep this. And I don't know, I think that can really backfire. So I think that Yes. Leading by example is really huge when it comes to our kids and our spouses. So, yeah, that's great. It's really nice that you guys can really communicate and create that time, that space between the two of you for, you know, your me time that when you come together, you know, you guys are clear headed and um, you can be more intentional and mindful in those family scenarios. So in each of your podcast episodes, you share a minimalist moment of the week, uh, sharing something that you're simplifying now. So what are you simplifying today or what projects are you making room for? So actually, I was going to say that I'm simplifying dinner time even more so right now. Um, I know I've already talked about that, but I'm sure that most people are just feeling the frustration of eating the same thing during this lockdown period. I don't really mind eating the same meal over and over. And so um, I was actually going to share this as my, what I'm simplifying. I just feel like I'm making dinner a lot easier and streamlined for us because it just, like I said, it, it takes away the thought at the end of the day, especially now when I'm slightly more stressed out having the kids 24 seven, I usually Charlotte's in school some days, or I have babysitters to help out. So I want to just make dinner time and the end of the day as easy and streamlined as possible. So that dinner time kind of even leading into like the bedtime routine, it just looks the same every single night. And that just routine is so beneficial. Oh, I love that. And I heard in a recent podcast that you were also looking to create a gallery wall. Is that something that you're still pursuing? Um, I am. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, I'm hoping to get that done by the end of summer. I think I'm just so fickle. This is where I feel like we 
Megan and I, the girl that started the podcast with me, we had an episode just when we first started called how minimalism can be debilitating. And I think sometimes we can so overthink our thoughts um, or overthink what we want to enact that we don't make any decision at all. So that's kind of where I'm at with the gallery wall. It's like, I don't know, like I'm overthinking it. Do I really want this here? Do I really want that there? And then I just don't do anything. So yes, that's, I'm kind of working on that right now, but it's just kind of making those decisions and getting it all put together. No, absolutely. No, that's good. That's really good. And you're also, you have, a, um, you have many more jobs on your plate now today. So that yeah. well, thank you so much, Diane, for all of your incredible advice today. And so uh, where can our audience find you? Yeah. If they want to follow along with the podcast, it's on iTunes and Spotify at minimalist moms podcast. And I guess it's not at minimalist moms podcast, but you know what I mean? And then I am at minimalist moms podcast on Instagram. And then the Facebook group I believe is minimalist moms. So yeah, that's where I'm hanging out. I love hanging out on Instagram. I try to post there and I just really enjoy hearing feedback and encouragement from people. So that's where I'm at. Well, thank you so much again, and I'm sure to tune into your next episodes. Uh, I follow along closely, and I wish you and your family good health and safety right now, and let's do this again soon. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Okay, thanks a lot, Diane. Great. Thanks so much, Kelly. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I hope that our conversation has inspired you to see minimalism as a simple and intentional lifestyle that is for everyone. And if you are a parent or if you are looking to have a family one day, I highly recommend following Diane's latest podcast series where she interviews real minimalist moms. Plus, if you are seeking general simple living tips, Diane also interviews a variety of guests from authors to home organizers who will help keep you on track. And if you enjoyed our episode today, please connect with us on social media at Millennial Minimalist. That's the word millennial with two N's. And as always, if you haven't already done so, please kindly write us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Lauren and I truly love reading your reviews and your words really keep us motivated. Thanks again for listening. Stay safe and we'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye.